Hi, everyone. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. It is the morning of January 23rd, 2024, the 13th day of Shvat, 5784. Um, I'm apologizing ahead of time if I start to cry in the middle of this podcast. It's been a really rough, um, it's been a really rough night. Already last night, we were hearing rumors of um, that something really bad had happened in Aza, and it wasn't clear. A lot of requests for us to say prayers immediately for our soldiers. And so I uh, didn't really sleep well last night, and then got up this morning to the news, which I'm sure you've all heard already, that 10 soldiers had been killed, 10 um, reserve soldiers had been killed. And then um, a few, like an hour later, we were told that it was 21 soldiers that had been killed in this one incident um, where they were, they were rigging a building, a few buildings to blow them up to create like a, a safe belt near the Western Negev, near the communities there in the Western Negev. And um, I think an RPG was shot at the tank that was guarding them and also at the buildings themselves where the soldiers were inside and the buildings collapsed, and apparently, it's not clear yet, um, apparently the explosives that they had rigged the building with also uh, exploded. And so we had an impossibly high death toll, and that is in addition to three officers from the paratroop brigade who had already been killed yesterday. Did I know any of them personally? Well, I know that I, one of them, I know his father, and another from is from Alon Shvut, and I know the community there, Lopez. It's a community of Peruvians who converted to Judaism and, and moved here and live in the Judean hills not far from me in Gush Etzion. And someone else who's a neighbor of friends, and it's a very small country, and, um, and not all the names have been released. So, um, and there, somebody said to me, like, why do you cry for people you don't know? Because the, I do know them. They are my people. And if I ever stop crying when a Jew is killed defending the land of Israel or killed because he's a Jew, then the problem is mine, not the person who's asking. Um, it needs to hurt. It needs to hurt because we're going through really, really hard times right now. And we're not just doing this for us. We're doing this for everybody decent on the planet. Numbers seem to be shrinking daily on the decent people on the planet. I know if you're listening... You're one of them. And it's just very frustrating because uh, the politicians are up to what they're up to again, the Israeli ones. And it's like, so, I haven't met one person yet who just doesn't want to say to them, just go home, stop with your games. There were on one of the shows that we watched, the news shows on Channel 14, because I can't stand the rest of them. Um, they had two um, reserve soldiers who had just gotten out of Gaza um, one from the right, one from the left. On October 6th, they probably had very little in common. And now they've been sitting in a tank, to, literally sitting in a tank together for three months and watching their friends die and doing whatever they can um, to protect this country. And they just want things to change. And, and I looked at them and I thought, oh my God, it's like I'm watching Shark Tank because they're so full of faith and so full of commitment and unity to making this a better country. And the politicians, when they get out there, are just going to eat them alive because the, the politicians everywhere, 
and but it shouldn't be like that here. Um, really, are thinking about things that are not what the people are thinking about, and that's that's one of the battles that we're going to be having here. But during the rest of this week, before, 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 um, I was listening to I try and stay away from the news, and listening to some of the most inspirational and almost inhuman from the great side people, like Miriam Peretz, who lost two sons in battle in previous wars, and apparently in one of the houses in Gaza, they found a picture of one of her sons on the wall of the house of the father of the terrorist who killed him with a big X uh, through him. And um, and they someone told her that, that that's what they had found. And her response was, this just shows the difference in who we are and who they are. She said, look at my house, pictures of grandchildren on the wall, pictures of the children of this son who are growing up without a father, um, and, and landscapes and flowers and blessings. And she said, and on the wall of their house, it's a picture of uh, someone that their son killed. Like, they're proud. They're proud that they're raising terrorists. And, you know, I think back to the Tanakh, because I'm never far from thinking about the Bible, and how many times over the years, you know, you, I've heard, it's such a, like Joshua especially, it's such a terrible book. It's like, you know, you're supposed to kill all the other nations, including the women and children. It's a book about genocide. And my answer has always been, look, within the context of that time, because the Tanakh's not going to be wrong. So in the context of that time, it was obviously felt that these people, um, that these people shouldn't, you know, don't deserve to live for whatever reason, they're evil people. And I think now, to not just the Hamas and the Hezbollah and Iran and all the jihadists who laud death, who laud death, and I think this, this is that. Okay, now I understand the Tanakh better because this is a throwback to that. The Torah changed the world so that mo- for most of us, decent people, Jews and Christians, and some Muslims as well, absolutely, and Buddhists, whoever, the idea of a loving God and the idea that life is more important than anything else, I believe, is a great influence of the Torah, and that has changed the world, but it hasn't changed it enough. And there's some people, they're not people, there's some barbarians, um, pagan barbarians, who are still a throwback to the ancient world. And now I understand when the Tanakh says that these people, all of them, have to be taken out because you can't live with them. Now I understand, because I don't think that there are very many innocent people in Gaza. Where, are they not rising up against Hamas? I mean, if, if they're doing that, we're not hearing about it. Maybe there are some people who are telling the soldiers, yes, in those tunnels the hostages are being hidden. And this is where Sinwar Mehi rot in hell very, very soon forever. Um, this is where our, the so-called Hamas leaders are hiding. And are they helping? And are they rising up? They're just complaining that Hamas is so terrible to them. They don't care that the Hamas is terrible to us. They're upset because they've lost their homes because of what Hamas did. But let's not kid ourselves. These are not good people. And the, the materials that are being found in their schools, puzzles showing, um, you know, destroying and massacring people, they're raising their entire community. So now I understand the Tanakh. If those are nations that were now no longer here, but these are their um, science, uh, SC, um, and I don't believe that they are Ishmaelites. I don't believe that anybody who came from Abraham could behave like this, but who knows, maybe I'm wrong. That whole toxic mix of Arab brutality and, is, and the mess of Islam. And again, 
I'll say it one more time, and then I'm not going to say it anymore. I'm not speaking about every Muslim. I'm sure there are wonderful Muslims out there, but they don't control any country, and they don't control much at all. They they get out there, and they speak, and they're wonderful, but they're not having the influence, and they're not the, the ones that are fighting us, and nor they can they stop the ones that are fighting us. So I think I've done enough for the Islamophobes who might be listening to this, and, and I really want to make that clear. But this is how they're teaching. So now I understand what Tanakh is saying, that when it's an entire population, then you need to get them out, out one way or the other. And maybe these soldiers would be alive now if we had bombed from the air and didn't, you know, didn't do things that, that endanger our soldiers um, on the ground. And these are not the first soldiers that have died from that. And I just wish that we could just bomb the whole thing from the air and not not have to risk one soldier, but I'm not a military expert. I'm being told the war can't be won like that. But is the war actually even being won? Now we're being told that um, by the certain people in Congress that, you know, unless you unless you are willing to have a Palestinian state, American aid should be contingent upon that. So I have a couple thoughts on that. One is that we shouldn't have American aid at all because it shows that we're just then reliant on America to resupply our stocks of of weapons, and a lot of Israeli businesses had to close because it was offloaded in order to give um, to give jobs to people in the United States. I've been saying for a while that the aid comes with too much of a high price tag. Maybe now we're seeing that. But like, why are you telling us what we should do? You mean after October 7th and after what they did, they should get a prize and they should get their own state? Because who are we kidding? The Palestinian Authority, and I'm looking at Bethlehem right through my window right now, is the same. It's the same garbage. It's the same ideology. It's the same absolute, you know, like I've thought to myself, if I was a really, really evil person, and I'm not the greatest person, and I have a bad side, obviously, some of you have heard it, some of you haven't, you might hear it in about a few minutes when I tell you some of the things I've done this week. But um, if I took my brain into the most evil place that I could think, I still wouldn't get close to what's being perpetrated against us. And the stories only get worse. And like you think you've heard it all and then you meet somebody and you hear another story or someone releases a film. It's like, uh, where is that? Where There's no humanity here in these people at all? Where does this come? I, I can't even... It's a deep belief that God created everybody in his image. And I want to believe that, that there is something godly in every whatever looks like a human being. It's very hard to go there now. It's very hard to understand like what that means. Because for me, God is the universe and beauty and love and everything good. And that even the terrible things that are happening right now are serving some purpose on a plane that I can't begin to understand because who am I? But that created in God's image. So is there another face of God that's not great? I, I'm, I'm confused. I'm upset. And I'm... And then I look at some of these people like Miriam Paris and her answer and some of the parents of the soldiers who have fallen who are not blaming anyone or the hostage that was killed accidentally by, by Israeli troops. They're not blaming anyone. They're saying, Let's, we need unity. We need unity. We need to be together. We can't let 
the politicians and a lot of the press rip us apart. And by the way, if you're if you're for the hostages coming home, and I don't know anybody in the right mind who's not for the hostages coming home, when you write bring them home now, so the now is a problem. The now means that we have to make tremendous concessions to Hamas, which will lead to more people dying. And the now has been like co-opted by like the peace now and everything now and a lot of the anti-government forces who are already sticking up their head and mixing politics um, and being paid, by the way, for people who are anti- from people who are anti-Israel. There's a lot of mishmash here, and you have, to, you have to be really careful, even with the words that you use. But a friend of mine told me this week, she's here visiting a mutual friend of ours who's very sick with pancreatic cancer because you know, just because there's a war on doesn't mean all the other th- bad things don't stop happening. And she told me that she got into a cab. She was leaving the hospital and she got into a cab and the guy asked for a certain price. And she said, listen, I'll pay you what you want, but that means that I have nothing left to give um, tomorrow morning at five in the morning when I go to the hotel, when I go to the Western Mall and I give out charity every morning. So he lowered his price so that she would have money to give for charity. And she said, okay, so the, you know, the, the credit for the good deed is for both of us. And then he proceeded, this is the cab driver, to give her a 10-minute Dvar Torah, like a 10-minute explanation on something having to do with the portion of the week. And it's those, they're little things, they're not little things, um, the greatness, like I said, of some of the parents who've come out and spoken about their children, some of the parents of the hostages who've, who've come out and spoken about things, um, the tremendous love and outpouring of love and miracles that we see every single day. It's raining. Now, yesterday was beautiful. It was like a summer day. And now it's freezing and the, the clouds are coming in and they're telling us we're going to have like a week of really wintry weather. It might even snow. So like everyone's like, oh, we love the snow. And then when I talk to my son who's living in a tent on the Lebanese border, he's less excited about snow and rain and cold, which I understand. He's in a tent. So I think there needs to be that sensitivity. Um, I just shot off a letter to an organization for whom I have a lot of respect. It's a major Jewish organization that does a lot of work in many different realms. And there's a mission, and I'm sensitive to this because I'm planning a women's mission for One Israel Fund for February to meet the extraordinary women of Judea and Samaria in particular, the ones who are really holding down the home front. So I saw an advertisement, they're running a women's mission. And in the ad, it says highlights, go to the Reim Forest, the site of where the Nova Festival was. In what world is the place of a massacre and brutal rapes and kidnappings a highlight of anything? And I understand their intention. They're trying to get people to come. And so they say, we're going to take you down south. But a highlight? How insensitive can you be? Would you organize a trip to Poland about the Holocaust and write, highlight, we're going to visit the crematoria in Majdanek, or we're going to see the killing fields in Auschwitz. Like, no, I'm sorry. Highlight does not fit in here. And on a list that I'm on of all kinds of activists last night, somebody put out that, you know, it was a really sad day. Now, we had no information yet about what had happened. There were just rumors. It's a really sad day. So, And I said, on the list, either say what happened or say nothing. But if you're just trying to show off that you have sources of information the rest of us don't have, like, I don't want to hear it. And 
And so some people, uh, it's like this lack of sensitivity. And for many people, it, it's not intentional. For some people, it is. And for some people, it isn't. I was talking to somebody who has been in, in and out of reserve duty for the last three months. And on a few, he had a few days out, and his work organized a visit to the hospital where there's a lot of amputees in Tel Aviv, a lot of guys, because in addition to the ones who are getting killed, there's a lot of them sit in wheelchairs now who've lost one leg or both or paralyzed. Or, and his work organized a day for them to go visit them, which was really a beautiful thing to do, except that this soldier that I was talking to is still facing the possibility that he might be one of these guys one day because he's still on active service. So I, I will say something to the person who organized this because I know they did it with the best of intentions and it was a beautiful thing to do. But we have to be reading the room a little bit. We have to be not just saying what it is we want to say and doing what we want to do, but looking around and seeing how that's going to affect other people. And I get letters and I get notes from people who are, they're really, really, really coming from a good place. But like, you know, Think about think about what's happening and and how it's going to be taken. Um, I look at the names of the twenty one, and it's it's such an ingathering of the exiles. All of them. There's names from there's Russian names, and like I said, someone from Peru, and someone, you know, you could just see from Holland, I think, and and an English name, and you just see what's happening here. The greatness. I'm seeing the greatness. I'm trying to focus on the greatness. I'm trying to focus on Tupi Shvat, which is the holiday of the trees, which seems like such a quaint little holiday. It's on officially, I mean, Tupi Shvat, it means the 15th of Shvat, but it's on, um, it's on Thursday this week in the English date. And I'm happy that it's raining because we, even though it's cold and I feel terrible for the people sleeping in tents, part of it. But they say the rabbis a long, long time ago in the Gemara said that it's the more than halfway point for the rain because they knew the land. So like it, it usually rains more before Tu Bishvat than after Tu Bishvat. Turns out the modern meteorologists have said, yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. There's some years where it's a little different depending on if it's a Hebrew leap year or not. But they knew the land a long time ago and then we were thrown out of this land for a very, 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 very long time. And now, through God's grace and a tremendous amount of human sacrifice, I am privileged to be broadcasting this from Judea and speaking Hebrew, not on this podcast, but in general, <laughs> and going to the birthday party of my granddaughter yesterday who was born in Jerusalem long, long, long time since, you know, her father's line, her mother's, is my daughter, so I was privileged to have children born in Jerusalem as well. So this is a very big and magnificent picture, but it also comes with a lot of sacrifice and a lot of pain. Today is one of the sacrifice and painful days, trying to focus on the good and on the miracles and on the blessings of the trees and on the fruit that they're giving. And, and I'm looking now, I planted some flowers just to cheer me up the other day. don't really have a garden now, but I have some pots just outside my door to the porch. And I put some beautiful flowers there. They were grown in Israel in these plant nurseries. And I think about the plant nursery in Amona, in, um, in, in uh, not Amona, and not Smona, excuse me. Amona was a community that was destroyed a year later. In Binyamin, after 
Gush Katif was uprooted and destroyed. So I still have a couple of plants that I bought in Atzmona, which was the largest plant nursery in the Middle East at the time, in Gush Katif, in Gaza, when at the time we were there growing cherry tomatoes and beautiful fruit and beautiful flowers and plants. And now what they're growing there is hatred and death. And we are not going to let them continue as long as we can, as long as the world understands evil and goodness and the choices that you guys need to make out there. It's pretty clear in Israel, the choices for most of us that aren't in politics, the choices that it needs to be made and how big the stakes are here and how the evil ones are watching all the time and how American weakness is at the root of a lot of the bad things that are happening in the Middle East right now, sadly, um, the dilly-dallying. And yes, there was seems to have been an attack on Yemen by the British and American forces. And that's a good thing because that piracy is, uh, is tremendous. And the Suez Canal has now lost 90% of their business. And Egypt is suffering tremendously because it's a poor country that really depends on that. But when people stop shipping things that way because of the Yemenite pirates it's, who are backed by Iran, then it's going to have a tremendous effect. And there's a tremendous domino ripple effect that's happening here. And, um, and a good part of it is happening because they're focused on Israel. They're focused on Israel because, because we present the good we represent the good. We represent what people can and should be and usually aren't. And we're not going to stop doing that. We're not going to stop doing that because that's who we are. And the big question here is who you are, who the, not you guys listening in particular, but who the world is and what side they are going to come down on. And if they're going to let Israel finish this war and at least get rid of Hamas, and who knows what will happen up north, it's all... It's all the same serpent and then the head of the serpent. Um, is our, is, are we going to be saved by Pakistan who are going to take on Iran? That's a nice little daydream. Don't see it happening for other reasons, but who knows? Strange things happen. Pharaoh's heart was hardened when it didn't seem to make sense. So um, there is all that. And, but they're the decisions that we make. I don't believe that we live in a world that just exists on miracles, even though miracles happen all day, all around me, but on human responsibility and choices. And that that's the real test for each one of us as individuals and for our countries as well. Um, the choices that we're going to make, the things that we're going to do, the people that we're going to side with. And it's, uh, it's not simple and it's hugely challenging, maybe more now than ever before, because of the way information flows so quickly and misinformation flows so quickly. And, and I hope you all know that a lot of the information that you're getting is propaganda and is lies by people who are out there, be it Russia, be it China, be it others, um, who have the money and have the ability to play with our minds. So we need to keep focused on that. We need to keep focused on our hearts and on our souls. And what we're doing in this world, um, and what the what God wants from each one of us individually, uh, and that's not simple. And how we educate our children, and how we educate our children. So big fat, fat fail on that when it comes to Gaza. And if people really care about the so-called Palestinians, um, they should 
ask Egypt to open up that gate. And there are people around the world who want to take them in. Good luck with that. But if, you know, if they, if they are who they are because of us, then maybe you can do a better job with them. Um, but to get them out of the way so that this battle can be won against the terrorists. And that's not going to happen um, because people really don't want Israel to win this war. They want us to get upset for a little while over what happened October 7th, let loose a little bit, and then force us to actually give even more money and responsibility and land and, and, oh my God, to the same people that are behind October 7th and would do this in your neighborhood if they could get away with it. So it's like, it's so clear. It's so clear to me. I'm sure it's really clear to a lot of you also based on some of the mail that I get from you guys, you get it. So I know to some degree that I'm preaching to the choir, but it's not enough to keep that to yourself. You have to do what you can, if it's with your congressman, if it's whatever. And if you need some help doing that, I can come to you. Um, and, and I would come to you, to your communities and, uh, and try and bring out some of what's happening here in Israel, um, to you, maybe in a way that, you know, that needs to be done. Um, so you can be in touch with me and, uh, we could talk about it anyway. Thanks to Ben. Thanks to Tabitha. And thanks to all of you. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. I hope where you are, wherever you are, you're well. I'm hanging in there. I'm going to keep hanging in there for all of us. Take care, everybody. And from the heart of Judea, in the heart of the land of Israel, goodbye for now.